Today, I, of course, with yesterday's news and everything going on, I went back and reworked the sermon, so uh, this should be interesting and fun, because uh, I like to ruminate on stuff. I'm a slow cooker, slow processor, as we like to say. Um, but we're working in this Me 2.0 series, you know, the Me that uh, God wants me to be. And so today we're talking about community. And the good thing is, I know this is going to be a shocker to all of you, but I am a people person. I know that I was expecting a lot of gasp, or it's not too on you, but it's true. I'm an extrovert. Usually that, they go hand in hand. An extrovert is usually a people person, and then an introvert, not so much. You know, they can handle people, they can deal with people, but uh, only when they really have to, you know. Um, and they don't, they don't get their energy from people. Hanging out with people, it energizes me uh, for the most part. And so uh, I had this thing that when I moved here, I had to struggle with, and I was telling Max this story yesterday, and he literally uh, was standing up and was bellied over laughing at me, um, because he is an introvert, and he just doesn't understand us people who are extroverts and need people. But when I moved here in 97, I moved from uh, California to San Diego, and I was born on Sunday in church the next, literally. And so I was born and raised in a community. These friends that I grew up with, our parents were friends in high school, and junior high school. And so you know, I just had this tight-knit group of friends and this group of community that I grew up with. And I moved from, you know, Southern California to Kentucky, of all places. Everyone's like, why would you do that? Isn't that backwards? Don't most people leave Kentucky and go to California? Um, and so I got here and I got plugged into a church, uh, which happened to be Church of the Savior. Who knew, you know, years down the road it would lead me to this moment. But we got plugged in and I was having an issue. And that was that I didn't have friends. And so being a people person, if you're a people person, you got a little amen on that, right? Didn't have friends. And so I did the only thing I knew at the time, and that was I went to God, and I fasted. Now, I probably need to fast more often than I do, but I fasted. And what I fasted for me was a big thing, because another thing about me is I don't like water. Now, I have a bottle of water because whenever I talk, that's usually nice. But I don't naturally grab for a bottle of water when I'm thirsty. There are people out there who do. My wife is one. She's like, oh, thirsty. And she just goes to the fridge and gets water. I'm like, oh, I'm thirsty. I go to the fridge, Diet Coke, uh, tea, Kool-Aid, hmm, which one to get? I don't ever go, ooh, I just need some water. So for seven days, I told God, I need some friends in my life. I need someone that I can pick up the phone and say, hey, what are you doing? Let's go do this. Let's hang out. You know, because I'm Generation X and uh, sorry, millennials, but we are the generation that started the whole hanging out process. I know you guys, if you're young, think, oh, we just hang out. No, Xers, we had it down. And if you're a boomer, you're like, no, we had it down. Listen, the difference is we weren't smoking something when we were hanging out. <laughs> it's the truth. All right? Boomers were hanging out because they were puff, puff, passing. Generation X, we were just hanging out just to hang out and listening to music. So we were truly the hanging out crew. And millennials, I hear it now in Youthland. Oh, I'm just hanging out. I'm like, yeah, you don't understand what hanging out is. Let me teach you uh, what flannel looks like and what hanging out really is. Um, so, yes, a lot of people are, yes, flannel. I still have my quilted flannel, thank you. So it's still hanging up in my uh, thing. But um, so I just wanted someone to hang out. So for seven days, whenever I had something to drink, I drank water. It about killed me. But there were things about community and friends that I didn't know then that I, that I know now. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to dive into community today and see, because the number one thing that Satan uses to attack the church body is isolation, loneliness. In fact, if you look at surveys, that's the number one thing people complain about is they feel lonely, which is funny and odd. If you think about it, we're the most connected generation and or group of generations that there has ever been. You know, people have 1,200 friends on Facebook, but they're alone. 
They, they, it's 101 ways to get a hold of just me, you know, text, to email, uh, four different phone numbers through, you know, Google Voice. It, there's a million ways, instant message, to get a hold of someone and to still connect, but we still feel alone. And that's what we, I want to talk about because Satan uses that in the church. If he can get you isolated and alone, he's one. Look at, uh, I don't know how many of you love watching uh, nature channels like sci or even sci-fi or discovery or TLC or, you know, uh, the National Geographic Channel, it, all this stuff fascinates me. I love watching that. And so if you ever watch in the wild, what, what do lions do when they're hunting their prey? They isolate one and then destroy. It's when they can't get them away from the pack. And so Satan does the same. So we're going to dive into community today and look at that. Um, Jesus had a community, and so I figure since he has a community, that's who we'd look at today. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 13, we're going to look at that verse. And I forgot to give it to Zach earlier, but he is phenomenal. He'll get it up there on the screen in case you didn't bring your Bible. John chapter 13. But Jesus had a community. He had a community of 12 guys that followed him everywhere. We like to call them disciples. And they followed and they did everything he did. He hung out with them all the time. That's what being a disciple meant. I love uh, Max Lucado's book, if you ever read God Came Near. It's a phenomenal read. He has a section in there where he talks about the fact that we forget that Jesus was one of the guys. He hung out. He ate with them. They would sit around the campfire, and ladies, Jesus, your Lord and Savior, he probably ripped one every now and then because he was with a bunch of guys, you know? We don't think of that. But, you know, he stunk after days of hard work. He stunk. You know, it's true, but we don't think of that. That was Max Lucado's words, not mine, by the way, and it's still funny. We all laugh at that word, rip one, and things, you know? Um, but he was one of the guys, and he had these 12 people that he hung out with, and he had a community and I want to talk today about three roadblocks to community that we face in our society today that, that prevent us from community. And one of the things is love. And that's what Jesus commanded here. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. We've, you've heard this in church many times, so let's read. So now I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now I've heard this verse used many different ways. I've, used it at, I've heard it used as an end point that, you know, Jesus, you know, he gave his all. We need to give our all too. Love each other as one. I've never heard it used in the context of community. But if you think about a community, isn't that what we want? We want someone to love us. We want to be loved. We want to be part of a community that loves each other. <clears throat> and that's what uh, Jesus is saying, I think, to his disciples here. Listen, guys, we've been together. I've shown you how to work as a community. You need to love each other. And that's how people are going to know that's different. That's how they're going to know you're my disciples because you guys love each other. You're this community. So let's look at the three roadblocks today that prevent us. The first one is a consumer mindset. We all have it. My dad uh, actually coined this term. Well, he may have stole it, but he coined it to me, was WIFM. It's the radio station everyone has playing in their head whether you're ADD or not, and it's called What's In It For Me radio station. It's a consumer mindset. People go to church, and they church shop, and what are they asking? What's in it for me? What's the service like? Do I get anything out of the worship? Do I get anything out of the preaching? What do my kids get? What's in it for me? And that's our first mindset. We have to get over the consumer mindset if we're talking about community, because a lot of times in community, it's not what's in it for me. It's what I can do for others. But we have this mindset. I have this mindset. And so when, it, when we're talking what's in it for me, it prevents us from having a, the first step into community. Uh, the second portion to commu consumer mindset is that people love to talk about themselves. 
Do they not? Favorite subject anyone loves to talk about? Themselves. Why? It goes back to the what's in it for me mindset. So we have to get over a consumer mindset. The next thing we have to get over is a time mindset. We have issues with time. I don't know about you, I have a hard time with time management. In fact, right now my calendar is a mess. Uh, go figure, right? But it's a mess. I don't know if I'm coming or going. Uh, there's things that are happening at my job that they're calling me and they're like, aren't you going to be here? I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> I didn't put that in my calendar. Um, but we have time issues. Saturdays, we're running here, there, taking the kids here, taking them there, taking, doing things. Little known thing about community and relationships is it takes time. The problem is, is what? We're an instant gratification society. You know, we can't even wait anymore for three days for Netflix to get our new DVD. It all has to be instant queued. And heaven forbid Netflix not have it on the instant queue, right? <sighs> what are they thinking? They need to get that on the instant queue. You know, or don't, don't even think about driving to this old place called Blockbuster and actually looking and renting there, you know? <sighs> Please. You know, Redbox, if anything, and that at least I'm going to the grocery store and getting it on my way out. Or, I, this is my favorite, I'm going to McDonald's, I pull up in the drive-thru lane, send the kids out to get the movie, they hop back in, and then I go through the drive-thru to get my meal for the night. That's my favorite. I'm like, why don't you all just at least get out and walk in? But an instant my, uh, a time uh, management problem that we have, and the thing about relationships is they're not instant. And this is all stuff you know. This is stuff we know, but it's not instant. It takes time. I love to tell everyone that I'm part of a small group. Now, I love my small group. I really do. And this is not so that way everyone will join my small group because then it wouldn't be a small group anymore. But I do. I love my small group. We've been meeting now for about a year, and we've been working through things. And what's funny is we're talking about community. And I think that's why Max said, hey, why don't you preach this sermon prior to everything happening this weekend? But we've been talking about community, and we've been meeting for about a year. And we're just now getting to that point where we can ask some good questions of each other. So what does this mean to you? What does that mean? How does this work in your relationship? How does this work? And we're, we're doing things. We're doing things together. I'm going to a NASCAR race July 9th because my two people in my small group like NASCAR. I've watched NASCAR just so I can kind of have an understanding. I still don't fully get it, but hey, I'll drop 75 bucks to go hang out with my small group and go to a NASCAR race on July 9th. Um, and I love the people watch, and let's be honest. <laughs> I will have a good time nonetheless. <laughs> I may not know what's going on down there, but I will know what's going on around here. Because um, it's a night race, which I hate, it's even better, because then that just gives them all day to make sure they're uh, nice and ready to go for the race. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited about that. What's funny is some of the other NASCAR fans are laughing. They're like, oh, yes, you're going to get a show, because it's the Kentucky Speedway. Uh, Sprint Cup race, NASCAR, I guess. Uh, anyways. Uh, but we have this community. Uh, people. And the thing is, is it takes time. And we're just now getting to the point where we can do so. Hey, let's go hang out. And we've been meeting for a year. And that's the problem is we want everything instant. You know, we want instant rice. We want instant cue. We want everything instant. And relationships take time. The next thing is they take effort. They take a lot of effort. And that's the other issue that a lot of us have is, you know, we're tired. How many of you are tired? I wake up tired. This whole past two weeks, I've been telling my wife, Eight o'clock, I'm ready to go to bed. You know, I get there about 9.30, and, you know, we, I sleep now. I still have a kid who wakes up, and so, you know, I got to nudge Rebecca to go get him. And, you know, um, that's a joke, uh, half the time. Uh, yeah. No, we, we, sh we share. It's usually whoever, since, whoever has the heavier workload the next day. So, like, last night I didn't get up at all because I had church stuff today. But, you know, tomorrow we will share it evenly for tonight if he wakes up. But... Um, see, this ADD today. Um, and I was last sermon, too. Man, I've got to take those pills. Um, but where was that effort? Uh, 
uh, tired, see? Thank you. Thank you. But we're tired. And, and, they take, and, and they take an effort. They also take an effort on your part to initiate. See, that's a bigger thing for us, is to actually realize that if we want to get into community, it takes picking up the phone. Yes, that old thing or, you know, new thing and going, hey, my name's, hey, this is Isaiah. I'm just curious if you want to go out for coffee. Or you run into someone, hey, where'd you work? Oh, Lexington. Oh, man, I work in Lexington, too. Oh, you're close to downtown? Awesome. Let's grab lunch sometime. Or here's, a, here's an even harder one for a lot of people. Why don't you guys come over to my house this Friday night? Why don't you come over and, and, and we'll grill out? We'll let the kids, you know, terrorize the house and tear it up and, you know, flip it upside down, and, but we'll hang out. You know, because we have a million and one excuses. You know, the kids are too young. You know, I'm really not that interesting. I don't think anyone would want to talk to me. You know, I don't have anything to offer. You know, these are things that go in our head, and they take an effort. They also take a concentrated effort in community to know how to interact. And actually, this summer, Max and I are talking about this, about doing some, some uh, uh, out. Uh, breakout sessions about hospitality and things. Because when you're in, when you start a new relationship, there's two ways to do it. The, the good and right way is to ask questions about them. Because what's everyone's favorite radio station? What's in it for me? And it's all about them, right? And so asking questions. So tell me about your job. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your kids. Tell me what fun thing your family did. What's your family planning on doing? Where are you planning on going? Where are you from? How is it living there? You can ask 101 questions. What you don't want to do when you start a new community, is get together, and I like to call it vomit on the person. And you see, some of you have had these people. You know, you get together, and you don't know, and you're like, oh, man, I, this is awesome. I get to go hang out with so-and-so, because you remember, I'm a people person, so it's always exciting for me. And what do they do? Blah, they're just, you know, oh, my life, oh, I hate this, and oh, and it just, uh, and, you, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, and they just, you know, you got to go home and take a shower, and then you never want to hang out with them again. And there, there are people like that, and, and they need Jesus, and they need some help, but that's what you don't want to do. But community, the roadblocks we have is time, effort, and then uh, our consumer mindset. The other thing is, with these three things, is we teach and we use these three roadblocks in our finances as well. As a society, we run our finances the same way we run our community, the same way we run our relationships. And that is simply that we usually don't have enough money for the end of the month. We run a lot of debt up. We are just one catastrophe away from filing bankruptcy. And this is how we live. We live to the edge. But we also live with the mindset that one day I'll get out of debt. One day I'll start saving. One day, when, you know, maybe when the kids are gone, then I don't have all these school expenses, I'll start doing this. Or if I only get, when I get this promotion, I'll start doing that. And so we have all these one days in our finances, and then what happens? The car breaks down. You're in an accident. You lose your job. And so all these things happen, and your finances no longer are working for you because we've lived to the edge. On the flip side, with, with community and relationships, we run the same way. You know, well, my kids are too young. No one wants to hang out with, you know, two wild boys in my house. Or, I just don't have the time. I'm running here, running there. I don't have the time. You know, it takes a lot of effort. It means I'm going to have to have these people over and, and talk to them, you know, a good five or six times before I even get through the artificial layer of who they are. Do I really want to invest in that? And so what happens is we run our relationships like we do our finances, and we're just one catastrophe away until we're ready to break we're alone. You know, and, and what's interesting to me is, you know, we had a big change in our community here. 
You know, Mike's death is a big change for us. And yet, here's a man who really didn't run his life that way. He connected with everyone. He, if you look at it, look at the three, consumer mindset. It was never what's in it for Mike Vanderpool. He always had the time to say hi, and it takes effort. He was always willing to talk, never felt rushed. And so, you know, when a catastrophe strikes your family, you want to be able to have those people around. You want to be able to have someone to lean on. And so I have a quiz for us, 15 minutes. This is record time today. Um, then I want to ask, here is a connectedness inventory, and this comes from uh, Ortberg's The Me I Want to Be book um, that we're kind of working through. And uh, the, if you, there's also another great book that my small group's working through is uh, um, Everyone's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. All I can think of is the as if tag, um, or as is tag, not as if. Uh, that's going back to my generation, generation X, as if, Valley Girls. Um, so, but connect to this inventory. Hear these questions, and when you answer these, don't answer a yes if, you, if it's only your pastor, okay? Uh, just since we're in a church environment. Um, when something goes wrong, do I have at least one friend I can, I can easily talk with about it? And these are just yes or no's. Do I have a friend I can drop in on at any time without calling ahead? Is there someone who could accurately name my greatest fears and temptations? Wow. Do I have one or more friends whom I meet with regularly? Oh, there goes that time and effort again right there. Do I have a friend I know well enough to trust, trust their confidentiality? If I received good news like a promotion, do I have a friend I would call immediately just to let them know? If you can answer, and he says, if you can't answer yes to most of these questions, you may want to look for a small group to join or invite someone out for coffee as the first steps towards connecting. You know, those are hard-hitting questions, but they're great. They get right to the core. If we can't answer yes to those, then we're not in a community. And being in a community actually has some great benefits. Did you know that if you're not in a small group right now in a community and you join one, you cut your death rate in half by 50% this year? It's true. It's right here in Ortberg's book. In fact, you know what John Ortberg's motto in their small groups at his church is? Join a small group or die. <laughs> he goes, we tell everyone, if you're not in a small group, guess what? We're going to, you know, death rate in half just by joining a small group. So, you know, that's a great motto. I said, man, we might have to steal that one. Um, <laughs> but you also, statistically, you live longer. You live, you live happier lives. If you are connected with a community, these are natural benefits you get from it. Uh, Winston Churchill had a great community. The great thing about his community is he had people that, that would, uh, he would banter with back and forth. They didn't naturally agree with each other. Like uh, one friend sent him tickets to an opening of, his pl of a play that he had put on and said, here's two tickets for opening night. Uh, the other one's if you can find a friend. He sent them back and said, I'll go the second night if it's still open. You know? Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I love friends like that. <laughs> That can verbally spar, like yes, but he, you know, they weren't all his best buddies that worship and adored him. But he had a great marriage, a great wife, and he lived to ninety. But if you look at his life, what happened? He was a drinker, a smoker, the, one of the most unhealthy eaters you could find. He had weird sleeping habits. You know, he had all the stresses of the world on his shoulders, and he lived till ninety. In fact, someone asked him one time about his exercise routine. You know what he said? My exercise routine is being Paul Bear carrying out my friends who die exercising snarky too i'm like i took a mental note read uh, a biography about winston churchill you know 
Uh, that's a goal for mine. But, you know, that's a natural benefit. And, if, and everyone looks at his life and literally says, wow, he was connected. And that connectedness and community is what really probably carried him on into uh, his later years. So those are some natural benefits. The other thing is, the one is that Jesus said, is that you feel loved. You feel loved. When you're connected, you feel that love. You then can give that love to other people. And so we, at Generations, want you to feel connected. We want you to be a part of a community. You know, I'm telling you, my small group's awesome. I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's a high priority for me. And this is the first small group I've ever had that feeling with. You know, I've been through many of the small groups, and you probably all have small group horrors like I have. I literally had one the very first day. They're like, okay, men over here, women over here, share each other's deep secrets, have fun. I don't even get to eat first. What type of church event's this? <laughs> it was the truth. You know, I showed up, and, I'm like, and they're like, no, you know, we're, we're, we're going to just cut right through it. And I'm like, you know, but they didn't know the roadblocks. They didn't realize it takes time to get to that point where you can share deeply. And so, you know, I really think that if we get more connected as a community, we can only show Nicholasville how, how Christ loved them through our love for each other. And so that's my challenge to you. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about this uh, more, there, uh, if you read in the weekly, there's actually going to be some talkback sessions where we're going to talk about uh, the things, the media. Uh, 2.0. We're going to talk about this. If, you, if you're sitting there and you're like, you know, I don't know who to connect with, you know, I would love to play matchmaker for you. Just give me a call. I'll, you know, uh, me and the fiddler on the roof, matchmaker, you know. But, or, you know, you call James, call Max. Um, give Max a week, though, at least. But, you know, call him and ask and talk, and we'd love to talk that out with you. So uh, that's my goal and my hope, because I'm telling you, I love my community, and I love being a part of this greater community called Generations, which you all are a part of. Um, Because this is just an awesome community for that.